What up, one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It is an exciting day to be here today. We had another day of pro days just finish up with two of the biggest names in the upcoming NFL draft in Mac Jones and Justin Fields doing yet, well, I guess not for Justin Fields, but Mac Jones doing another pro day throwing the ball, and both of them, yeah, let's just say this, let's just put it like this. We are going to have five quarterbacks taken in the top 10 of this draft, which has never been done before as far as I can tell. And we will have three quarterbacks going in the first three picks, maybe in the first four picks. Hell, maybe the first five picks of the NFL draft. We don't really know. All I can tell you is this. This is the closest that we have ever had, to my knowledge anyways, five quarterbacks that are viewed so tightly together. Now, most people consider Trevor Lawrence to be the cream of the crop, to be the best one by far in this draft. But that's not saying that other people don't feel differently about the whole Trevor Lawrence situation. Some view Zach Wilson as a better quarterback. Some view Mac Jones as the better quarterback. But look, this entire quarterback draft class, at least in the first five, the five quarterbacks that are going to be taken the first round. Now, there might be a small chance that someone like Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, or Kyle Trask slips into the first round, but it's more likely that we will only see five quarterbacks go in the first round unless a team in the later later picks in the first round, like a Washington, like a Chicago, picks one there. And unless that happens, we will not have a quarterback outside of the big five, I guess we could call them, in this draft. The big five, for those of you who are unaware, are Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. Oh, it's going to get exciting. Now, we do have a general idea of the first two in the draft. I think that we all can agree on, at least at this point, I know we might not agree with the decision on why it's happening, but we can agree that it's going to happen, that it will go Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson in this draft. Regardless of what you feel about Zach Wilson compared to the other quarterbacks in this draft, I think we can all basically nailed down Zach Wilson's going second in this draft regardless of that's the Jets or not even though I am of the idea that the Jets are taking Zach Wilson second overall but good lordy we have had some fun pro days this offseason I've never had an offseason that I can remember anyways where all five quarterbacks have had great pro where like this is must watch tv You've had quarterbacks have good pro days and quarterbacks that have had pro days that are must-see TV, but this is one of the first ones where everybody wanted to watch them. This is such a polarizing quarterback class, unlike anything we have ever seen before. This quarterback class, much like last year's draft class, getting compared to the 04 draft class of Manning, Rivers, Roethlisberger, and J.P. Lossman, this one's going to get compared to the 2018 draft class which, of course, was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. And I saw this on Instagram today. It was, which of these quarterbacks will be the Josh Rosen of the draft class? I don't want to put that label on anybody because unlike Josh Rosen, I think all of these quarterbacks in this draft class have a good head on their shoulders. Now, I know the obvious one here is Zach Wilson because of the fact, much like Rosen, He came from money, or he has money in his family. I guess I shouldn't say came from money, but we're looking at that like that's a bad thing, really. 
For those of you don't, who are unaware or don't know, Zach Wilson's uncle is the owner of JetBlue. He has made a lot of money. So Zach Wilson does have money in his family. Zach Wilson has also had some injury problems, not, not so last year where he balled out for BYU, but more so the season before. He had some nagging injuries. He's had a shoulder issue. He had a hamstring issue going into this pro day that he had, so he didn't run the 40. So that would be the obvious one here, but I don't want to put that label on Zach Wilson because I think Zach Wilson is coming to this league with a better head on his shoulders than a Josh Rosen. And Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, who most people consider the top two quarterbacks, or two, the two people consider as the number two quarterback in this draft class, they work out together. And Justin Fields talked about Zach Wilson after his pro day today and gave very good remarks about Zach Wilson, how he's a really good person. And that's very big. Coming from someone that you're going to be competing for, not only in the NFL, but for draft position, which is meaning you're competing for money as well, that's very high regard. That's very big of Justin to say something like that. Now, I have not seen any interviews from Zach Wilson. Really, I haven't heard him talk a lot this offseason. Because obviously, we're going to hear Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones talk. I haven't really heard a lot of Trey Lance talking either. But all I know is from this draft class that all of them seem to have a good head on their shoulders. So I don't want to say any of them are going to be the quote-unquote Josh Rosen of this draft class. Because that's not something I would want to wish on somebody. It looks like, from everything I can tell, all these guys were on teams that would die for their quarterbacks. Or not, not, not die metaphorically, not actually die for their quarterbacks. Some might, some might do that, but they're not going to, they're going to rally around him. That's what I can tell from these guys. And I'm really excited to see what these guys can do in this draft class. I think we already know Trevor Lawrence is going one, Zach Wilson again is going two. The draft starts at number three with the San Francisco 49ers. We kind of talked about this on Monday's show, but more details have kind of slipped through the cracks since Monday's show. And that was Daniel Jeremiah going on Rich Eisen's show and talking about how the talking heads around the NFL, people that are well-connected in the NFL, are saying it's the kid from Alabama, meaning Mac Jones. Would I? And I said this on Monday. Don't be surprised if it's Mac Jones. And this was before all the rumors started coming out that it's going to be Mac Jones, or it's gonna, it might be Mac Jones, or it might very well be Mac Jones. Do not be shocked that it's Mac Jones. And I'm, I would like to say this, and I have defended Mac Jones on the show before. You may not like Mac Jones as opposed to the other quarterbacks. Sure, he's not as athletically gifted as the other four quarterbacks in this draft class. But let's not sit here and say Mac Jones is garbage. That's stupid and blasphemous that to say Mac Jones does not deserve to be drafted with a high pick just because he's not as quote-unquote athletic as the other guys. Like, last year, Joe Burrow was the guaranteed number one pick. We never talked about Joe Burrow's weapons around him and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who are both first-round draft picks. Justin Jamar Chase looks to be a guaranteed top-six pick in this draft. But we didn't talk about Joe Burrow's team around him. No, we didn't. We didn't talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire either, who was also a first-round running back. His offensive line was considered the best offensive line in college football that year. But we didn't talk about Joe Burrow's stuff. But when it comes to Mac Jones, we're going to talk about it a little more because he's at Alabama. He led the nation in passing yards. He set NCAA records 
this past season. He came third in the Heisman Trophy race. Sure, he's not the... I don't know how I want to describe word this thing. Sure, he's not, like, built like the other quarterbacks of this draft class. So you know when I say built, you know what I'm talking about. Like, he's not physically imposing. Mac Jones looks like me. I have a picture of myself from the QB throw-off thing that I did back in August or something. And Mac Jones at his pro day today looked just like me. And I don't, you can take that however you want. So I feel for Mac Jones. (laughs) I, I really like Mac Jones. I love his demeanor. I love his confidence in himself. I love how he's a perfectionist. I love his willpower. I love that he didn't just transfer at the first sign of trouble from Alabama, which he saw every single year at Alabama. He stuck it out and then won a national championship in his first year as the starting quarterback. Led the nation in passing yards. Led the nation in a bunch of other categories as well. Mac Jones is not a statue. It's not like we're watching Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers out there. He can move. His 40-yard dash time is better than Matt Ryan's 40-yard dash time, who is someone that Kyle Shanahan had great success with in Atlanta and has had a very good career as he has won an MVP and has gone to a Super Bowl. Mac Jones ran a 4-8-2-40, and just to nail on the comparisons of myself and Mac Jones, I my career best 40 was a 4 8 4 now, that was when I was a freshman in college. I think after a year of practicing and working out in college, I think my 40-yard dash time would have been better. But I got concussions around the time we were going to do our testing again, so I never actually got to run my 40-yard dash again, which was disappointing because I think I would have gotten a faster 40, hopefully gotten somewhere in the 4.7s, which would be similar to that of Josh Allen, who ran a 4.75 at his 40-yard dash and is in the NFL combine for the 2018 draft. Now, I know, again, like if you compared Mac Jones to the rest of these quarterbacks, it's not a very it's not a very fair fight for Mac Jones. Like, he's not as athletically gifted as Justin Fields and Trey Lance. He can't contort his body and make all these insane throws that Zach Wilson can. He is not this god of a quarterback, as everybody says he is, like Trevor Lawrence, who can make every throw and is athletic. But Mac Jones is a damn good quarterback, and I'm tired of seeing him get all this slander. I know we don't like him compared to Justin Fields and Trey Lance, but come on. That's a little overboard. He's an extremely accurate quarterback. He makes quick decisions. He's not a statue. He can move around in the pocket. He's got very nice feet, and I'm not saying that as in a weird way. I'm saying that as in he can move very well inside the pocket. He can make throws, and in his pro day today, I know a lot of people are clowning him a little bit on Twitter of overthrowing receivers. Daniel Jeremiah brought this up during the pro day today, and I agree 100% with Daniel Jeremiah. It's the fact that Mac Jones has been talked about as having not as strong of an arm as any of these other quarterbacks in this draft class, so you want to show that you can throw, you can just bomb it. Pro days are like spring training, in a little, in a, to, in a sense. Like spring training... Sure, someone might not be having a good spring training one day because they might be looking for one-and-one-only pitch. Jose Quintana went one spring training game just throwing, what was it? Uh, wow, what was this pitch that he was throwing? I can't really remember. He threw one pitch in 27 pitches and didn't have a good game because he was just practicing it. Mac Jones in this pro day today, 
His first pro day was better, but this one, he showed his mobility off a little bit more. He showed off his arm a little bit, showing that he could throw it deep, regardless if it was getting completed or not. It was more of a fact that I'm just going to throw it deep. I'm going to show these guys I have a strong arm. Regard, It doesn't matter if I complete I completed them in my first pro. This is why we did two pro days. In his first throw, his first deep throw, Mac Jones hit the ceiling of Alabama's practice facility, which I thought was awesome. And I loved how he interacted with his teammates as well. You see him, Najee Harris worked out today, which was very cool to see. And Devontae Smith, though having his finger that he injured in the national championship game not fully healed, still worked out and still caught passes from Mac Jones. You saw how Mac interacted with those guys. They rally around him. Everything about Mac Jones is good. But people just want to nail on the fact that he's unathletic. He is the kind of deme- he has the type of demeanor that you would want in a franchise quarterback. That demeanor of I'm not going to let anybody I'm not going to let whatever anybody says say about me hurt me. That was a really long-winded way of saying sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me. He was at Alabama with Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts competing for the starting job and with no real end in sight. With Especially when he first came in, Jalen was the starter. Tua came in as the backup. Mac Jones just looked like he was going to be another one of those long list of college quarterbacks that go to these big schools and just don't do anything. But then Jalen Hurts transfers. Tua gets hurt. You get your opportunity. And Mac Jones... Though he didn't play amazing in that limited time frame of when Tua got hurt towards the end of the season, he played good enough for Alabama. And then once those two are out the door, Tua goes to the NFL, Jalen Hurts transfers to Oklahoma. Or well, I guess they're both in the NFL now. Jalen transferred to Oklahoma before the NFL because Tua and Jalen both went to the NFL at the same time. But you got the starting job now. And then here comes a five-star high school recruit from Matter Day High School in California that decommitted from USC and is now coming over to Alabama, who are people are comparing him to. I've talked about Bryce Young about a thousand times on the show, dating back to last summer when this quarterback competition was going on because I thought Bryce Young would win the quarterback competition because he has got probably the best skill set Nick Saban has ever had at the quarterback position. Now, that's not saying he will be the best quarterback he's ever had, but the skill set is there to where Bryce Young could very well be the greatest Nick Saban quarterback ever. He is one player that you guys should be watching out for this year because he's going to be fun to watch. People are comparing him to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. I know we've repeated that about 100,000 times on the show about his comparisons, but you don't... If you're just lowly Mac Jones and you see this five-star quarterback come in who is the best high school player in the country from the biggest football factory in the country in high school in matter day people are right to assume oh wow Mac Jones ain't keeping the starting job but he did and then not only did he keep a starting job he came third in the Heisman Trophy race and won a national championship and when every time he got in a big-time quarterback duel, he outdueled the opposing quarterback. And this isn't like doing this in the ACC. 
This is the bit. This is the the SEC, the toughest conference in college football. I don't get why people hate on Mac Jones so much. Like it's he did something personal to their families because he didn't. He doesn't deserve this. And I love that Nick Saban quote about I'm glad Mac Jones doesn't pay attention to social media. Yes, because that would drive me crazy. Like what did I do to deserve all of this hate? Out of all the other quarterbacks in this draft. I had the best season, <laughs> but I'm not as quote-unquote athletic as them. I don't have quote-unquote as strong of an arm as them, so I'm going to get blasted by everybody on social media, the Twitter GMs, the, the Twitter scouts. I would be fine with Mac Jones at 12. I would hate the idea of Mac Jones at 3. What? It's You're still drafting the same person. If Kyle Shanahan feels... Mac Jones is the best fit for the 49ers, and you might not agree with that. Mac Jones will be the 49ers quarterback if Kyle Shanahan firmly believes that. Now, on Monday's show, I did go over the fact that I think Trey Lance would be the guy, especially after his pro day. This is what everybody was talking about. They liked his pro day. They didn't go there. Kyle Shanahan was like, well, we didn't want to tip our hand. So Trey Lance looked like the obvious guy. But I remember the last mock draft I did, I had, it was two, the last two mock drafts, I had the 49ers taking Justin Fields. The last two mock drafts changed it. The reasoning behind me having the 49ers take Justin Fields is the fact that he went to the QB Collective camp, which is coached and I'm pretty sure run by Kyle Shanahan. And they had a tweet. I hope I still have the screenshot. I don't know if I do, and I don't think I really do. But it was a screenshot, I don't have it anymore, crap, of Justin Fields and Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to try, I'm going to find it on Twitter real quick. Hold your horses, people. We're going to find this tweet. I don't remember how far back it was, but yeah, here it is, here it is, here it is. The only pro-style quarterback, pro-style quarterback development pipeline led by the two coaches who, in parentheses, just might draft you. And you know the people that are... Tagged in this photo, the 49ers, Justin Fields, and the Ohio State University. I had this on my last mock draft and changed it for reasons unknown, to be quite honest with you. And Justin Fields, after balling TF out today for Ohio State at his pro day, Regardless of if Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were there or not, Justin Fields might just be the quarterback. And I'm not saying that it's a complete fabrication that, you know, Mac Jones is just a smokescreen. I think there actually is legitimate interest there. But I remember seeing that tweet a few weeks ago and going, huh, that's that's quite interesting. It's kind of weird how that quarterback camp would tweet at Justin Fields at the 49ers and at Ohio State. That's kind of weird. Isn't that kind of peculiar? So maybe they want us to get off of the Justin Fields thing, but really that's their plan all along is Justin Fields. Because Justin Fields, again, balled out. They already know what Justin Fields is. Kyle Shanahan's coached him at quarterback camps before. And Justin Fields said today that he would do another quarterback camp or quarter uh, pro day 
for teams that didn't get a go, for coaches that didn't get a go. The 49ers might just be taking Justin Fields with the third overall pick, and I think that'd be good. That would make the Twitterverse happy of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields going in the first three picks. That would make Twitter very happy because Twitter's a very cynical place and everybody's an expert while also at the same time everybody is very stupid and has an inferior IQ to myself. That's how Twitter works nowadays. So if and possibly when Mac Jones get drafted before, God forbid, gets drafted before Justin Fields and Trey Lance, Twitter is going to explode. And I don't want to see this. And I love Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I think, is he's my second best quarterback in this draft class. I have him joint second with Zach Wilson. But I really like Justin Fields' arm talent. I really like his athleticism. I love his toughness. I love his leadership. I love all of that. From Justin Fields. But Mac Jones is getting a little too much hate to be compared to, like, drafting Trubisky over Watson or something like that. Because Trubisky, to my knowledge, never led the nation in passing yards. Trubisky never won a natty. Trubisky never led the nation in completion percentage. That's a little mean to Mac Jones. Now, do I think it'd be weird that or I'd be do I do what I'd be mentally preparing myself to go on Twitter if that happens? Yes, and I would for about a few months until the NFL season starts because <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I'm ready to see that. But Justin Fields with Kyle Shanahan, the links are there. He's been to the camps. They weren't there at the pro day. Maybe that was just to get everybody off their back a little bit. Even though Kyle Shanahan said that we're at three, we don't need to hide anymore. Maybe they still want to hide and play little games. With the rest of the NFL. I don't know. But it looks like we could be seeing Justin Fields in San Fran. And then Trey Lance and Mac Jones. If I had to make gut predictions right now. I would love to see Trey Lance in Atlanta. But maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe they don't feel like they can get or want a Trey Lance. Maybe the Patriots trade up and get Trey Lance. Who would basically go into their offense and continue their offense on the trajectory that now with a Cam Newton-style quarterback of a bigger guy with a strong arm and very athletic. That's what Trey Lance is. Now, his arm is not as strong as Cam Newton, but it's more accurate than Cam Newton. And that would be a very scary thing for the NFL if the Patriots kept going in that trajectory of getting athletic quarterbacks, getting athletic quarterbacks. Because one thing the Patriots have always done better than anybody else in the NFL is adapt and they adapt very well always have and as long as Bill Belichick is there always will as far as I'm concerned and then Mac Jones I think we're nailing that thing back on essentially to the Panthers which I think makes a lot of sense obviously we talked about that before he's been at the pro he was at coached by the Panthers at the senior bowl he's had a very good senior bowl weekend now one thing I did see or hear that the 49ers owner was at the Senior Bowl, and just getting wanting to talk and hang out with Mac Jones. Not necessarily see him play, because obviously he was hurt for the actual game, but you don't really hear about that too often. Owners making their way down to the Senior Bowl. So again, the 49ers start the draft, and I would just again, for about the 18th time today, like to say, don't be mad 
if just or if Mac Jones is drafted third by the 49ers. Do not be mad. I like Mac Jones a lot, and the other quarterbacks will be perfectly fine wherever they go. It's going to be fun. All I know is it's going to be fun. Mock Draft 5.0 is coming out on Monday, so make sure you mentally prepare yourself for that because that's going to be very, very fun. We've got our first draft trades out of the way with the 49ers. I was trade up to three, Dolphins to six. Well, to 12, then up to 6, the Eagles back to 12. So that makes it very, very fun. We don't need to predict as much anymore. Now, there's also a lot of very weird trades that go on throughout the draft anyways, whether it's teams trading back into the first round, teams trading up to not draft quarterbacks, which is always weird to predict in mock drafts, teams trading up to not draft quarterbacks, because that's the only thing we really think of when we make mock drafts is trades for quarterbacks. Because the quarterback, again... It's the most important position on the football field. So you just always predict trade up for quarterbacks. You don't really see a lot of mock drafts trading up for wide receivers or tackles or corners or stuff like that. But that will happen. Teams will trade up for tackles. Teams will trade up for corners. Teams will trade up for edge rushers, linebackers, whatever. Teams will trade all over the place. Now, last year, I don't think we saw very many trades. The first trade took place at pick 13 and 14 when the Buccaneers moved up one spot to draft Tristan Wurst. And then that's where we kind of started seeing trades kind of unfolding, I guess. But it was expected because we didn't know. Most teams didn't know how this whole thing was going to really work out with the COVID draft obviously being at at the commissioner's house, essentially. I was going to say a neutral location, but it was at the commissioner's house. So we saw what? We saw the 49ers and Buccaneers trade. Then we saw... Who else traded? Did anybody else really trade? The Chargers traded back into the first round. So that Kenneth Murray. The 49ers traded up to select Brandon Ayuk. The, the, the Packers traded up to select Jordan Love. And then the Dolphins, yeah. So we had, what, three or four trades in this draft? So maybe we see the same thing again. This wasn't a lot of trades this time. Maybe we won't see a lot of trades this time. Maybe everybody's pretty content on where they're sitting right now and doesn't really need to feel, really have the need to trade up in the draft. But you never know how this stuff works out. Good players, sometimes you just play the game and everything works out for you. This happens all the time. Teams just let the t- the chips fall where they may and it works out beautifully for them. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you have to trade up. Because if you don't, you, have the r- you run the risk of a team trading up above you and taking the player that you so very desire. You saw that with the Chargers trading up above the Texans to draft Melvin Gordon. That was a very big deal back then. The Texans wanted Melvin. The Chargers traded up two spots to get Melvin Gordon. The Jaguars in the first expansion draft tried to toy with the Titans, saying that we're going to draft. We're getting calls about teams drafting Steve McNair. We're getting calls about Steve McNair. They never did draft Tony Baselli, and the Jet, the Titans selected, selected Steve McNair. The 49ers played that game extremely well in the 2017 draft. The Browns were either between Miles Garrett and Mitchell Trubisky at the number one overall pick, and they didn't select Trubisky, so the 49ers, smartly, are going to go, you know what? We're getting calls about this Trubisky guy. Hey, hell, we even need kind of, we kind of need a quarterback as well. Which they kind of did. They didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo at that time. The quarterback on their roster was Brian Hoyer, and then they drafted C.J. Beathard in the third round. Or fifth round. I don't remember. Third round. Third round. Third round. And they drafted Solomon Thomas. So you could say that they wasted that draft pick as well. <laughs> but Because they could have also drafted Mahomes or Watson. But they didn't. They did not. But they swindled the Bears 
to drafting Trubisky second overall. And the Bears obliged. Now Ryan Pace was at Mac Jones' pro day today, as was Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. And there's a video circulating Twitter of Bill Belichick shaking his head after a Mac Jones throw that was overthrown. Do we know if he was shaking his head about that or some stupid thing Josh McDaniels said? Because everybody knows, if you've watched the NFL long enough, you know Josh McDaniels can say a lot of stupid things. Now, he's kind of calmed down a little bit ever since he left as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, but he still has that in him. He was That's still the same Josh McDaniels that was the coach of the Denver Broncos. I don't think that all has gone out of him. He could have said something stupid there. I think it's not. I don't think it's without the realm, out of the realm of possibilities here. But, of course, Twitter saw that and ran with it that he doesn't like Mac Jones anymore. So it's, that's the fun part about Twitter GMs and Twitter scouts. We're all experts in this. Even though... We're not the ones talking to the players. We're not the ones talking to the teams. We're not really doing anything. We're going off what we hear from our sources. We're not getting the, what is that phrase? Taking the hay from the horse's mouth. Is that a phrase or did I just make that up? If I made it up, that's pretty trill of me. Ah, man, mock draft season. Draft season in general. Just a fun time. Just a very fun time. And I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see... If and when Justin Fields has another pro day, that'd be very exciting to see if he has another pro day just to put on a show like he did this past pro day. I'm always down for that. I'm always down for these quarterbacks showing off what they got. And unlike Mac Jones, this might be another reason why Mac Jones, we kind of talked about this earlier. I'm looking at a picture of Mac Jones on my camera roll and Justin Fields ran the 40. Justin Fields looked good. (laughs) Let's just put it like that. Mac Jones looks like me. And I'm going to speak for myself here. I don't know how the ladies out there feel about me. But I'm just about, you know, yeah. Yeah. I used to be in better shape. And I haven't really gained weight since I left William Penn. I came into William Penn at 190. Skinny kid. After my freshman year, I was 200. Then I was 210 after after my freshman year. Or after my sophomore year. Now I fluctuate between 212 and 215. So I've gained like five pounds since William Penn. But one thing I will say, I was tight when I left William Penn. (laughs) I was not loose and jiggly like I am right now. I'm not fat yet, but I'm not gaining nor am I losing any weight. Which on one hand, yeah, I'm not getting fat. But on the other hand, I'm not losing anything. I'm kind of just sticking where I am. I'm just getting like looser. It doesn't feel very good. But... Hey, I look like an NFL quarterback, so I'm perfectly content on what I look like. <laughs> but Justin Fields was ripped, running in his underwear. You know how confident my dad and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. You know how confident you have to be in yourself to run in nothing but underwear or compression shorts? I don't think I have that type of confidence in myself. <laughs> I don't think I want I don't think I could do that. Now, fair play to all you out there that feel like, oh, I have the physique of a Greek god, I can do this and not feel worried about people staring at me. Like Justin Fields, Joe Tryon running his 40 for Washington today, Patrick Sertan ran in basically, what are the shorts that um, cheerleaders wear? What are those things called? I don't remember what they're called. Go-go shorts? I don't know what they're called. I don't remember what they're called. They have a specific name. There's really short, short, short spandex shorts. I don't know what they're called. That was basically what Patrick Sertan did. Wore. Mac Jones, he wore normal compression shorts, but he didn't wear, he didn't take his shirt off. <laughs> Mac Jones went with his shirt on, much like 
the rest of us out there. Mac Jones is for the working man, yeah. <laughs> He's for the average person. And we salute you, Mac Jones. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> uh, but when these guys go to the NFL, it's not if, it's when. And when they get drafted, they'll all be in the top 10, but who knows where they'll go. They will have to endure Week 17. Yes, the NFL made it official today that we are going to have a 17th week in the NFL. Give the NFL a round of applause. Give it up for the NFL. Money, 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 money. Remember that song from The Apprentice? I can't remember what the song's actually called. I just remember from that part. But good Lord, the NFL just made even more money than they already had. The rich get richer, as to say. The biggest sports league in the world just got even bigger with a 17th game and made even more money. And the league released the schedule for all the teams in Week 17. So here are your Week 17 matchups. Just before we do this, we'll go over what division plays what division. So the NFC North will play the AFC West. The NFC West will play the AFC North. The NFC South will play the AFC South. And the NFC East will play the AFC East. Okay, got that? Good. So the games are, we'll start off with the NFC North versus the AFC West. we got the Packers at the Chiefs, Bears at the Raiders. Well, I guess I shouldn't say if this is at the Raiders or not because it's just stacked on top of each other. Okay, Packers and Chiefs are playing. Bears and Raiders are playing. Vikings and Chargers are playing. The Lions and the Broncos are playing. Then we'll go down to the next one. The Seahawks and Steelers are playing. Rams, Ravens, Cardinals, Browns, 49ers, Bengals. Then you got the Saints, Titans, Buccaneers, Colts, Panthers, Texans, and Falcons, Jaguars. Then the last matchups, we got the Washington football team against the Bills. Giants at the Dolphins are playing the Dolphins, Cowboys, Patriots, and the Eagles and the Jets. Games I am excited to see are the Packers versus the Chiefs. Obviously, that's going to be the main one everybody cares for. And then I'm really excited to see the Vikings, Chargers. Both teams should be improved this upcoming season. I'm excited to see what both teams do. This upcoming season, I'm excited to see the Cardinals and Browns, which is a very weird thing to say if you told me that I'd been excited for this game three years ago. Like, man, I don't think I really want to watch this. But now, I do. Got two young quarterbacks at the helm. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield got stars on their offensive side. DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Brown, Larry Fitzgerald for the Cardinals. You got Nick Chubb, OBJ for now. And Jarvis Landry for the Browns. Like, it's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be very, very fun. Colts and the Buccaneers will be very, very fun. The Tony Dungy game is what we'll call it here. The Obviously, Tony Dungy was the head coach of the Bucs before becoming the head coach of the Colts. Colts should be a good team again. The Bucs should be a good team again. Then you've got the Bills and Washington football team. Two very good defenses. I'm excited to see how those two teams go about it. And Ryan Fitzpatrick... We'll be coming back for probably his last time in Buffalo. Bills legend. Every Buffalo Bills fan loves themselves from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, every NFL fan loves themselves from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But there, there's a special connection with him in Buffalo. Because that's where, he, where this whole thing kind of started off about this love for Ryan Fitzpatrick was in Buffalo. So I'm excited to see that. People are going to get excited for the Patriots-Cowboys. I think that's going to be most people's least favorite game because... If you pulled most NFL fans out there, I think their two least favorite teams, regardless of division, were going to be the Cowboys and the Patriots. Patriots because they win all the time, and Cowboys because they're just annoying and <laughs> average, but say they're going to be the best team every single year. Ravens, uh, Rams will be a fun game to watch. 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited for all most of these games. Now, these games I'm not really wanting to look forward to, like the Lions-Broncos. Ah, I'm not really going to want to watch that one too closely. Now, games like the Eagles-Jets, that'll be exciting because you get to see Jalen Hurts and probably Zach Wilson play each other. So you get to see Zach Wilson ball out for another week for the Jets, see if they actually do anything this year. Probably win five games this year if I had to place money on it at this point in time. Now, my opinion could change by the time we get closer to August, but as I sit here on March 30th, I think the Jets will probably win five games, and it'll be fun. It'll be a fun five games, because obviously rookie quarterback kind of take your eyes off the real problems that are going on in the organization. So yeah, exciting times for the NFL. I'm excited to see where Sam Darnold goes as well. The market for Sam Darnold apparently is a third or possibly fourth rounder, which would be... No, a steal. Hopefully. Unless Sam Darnold's completely gone and the Sam Darnold we knew coming into the 2018 draft class is gone, then, yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but if the Jets, I heard also this, the Jets could be looking to keep Sam Darnold for at least the first half of the season, then train him at the trade deadline to give the reins over to Zach Wilson. Then that not only helps boost Sam Darnold's confidence, it gets the trade market up. And the Jets can get a bigger hole for the guy they traded up to get in the 2018 draft. Now, the team's most likely to get him. I'm still on the Panthers bandwagon, even though I think Mac Jones makes a lot of sense for the Panthers. Obviously, with the links there. But there's links between Sam Darnold and the Panthers as well. Robbie Anderson was his, one of his receivers of the Jets. Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback of the Jets when Sam Darnold first got drafted, but got traded to New Orleans right after preseason. And Josh McCown was there as the other quarterback. And then you've obviously got... The Steelers, they've been linked with him for, it feels like, forever. The Broncos, I've heard look at that one very closely to see if that one actually goes through. I think that would make a lot of sense as well for the Broncos to do. But those, I think, are the big three in the teams considering trading for Sam Darnold, Panthers, Steelers, and Broncos in no real order. I just like those fits for Sam because in all of those, other than the, probably the Broncos, he'd have a chance to sit and learn a little bit, regain his confidence behind Teddy Bridgewater, or Ben Roethlisberger. Now, in Denver, probably be asked to start right away because with the way they look about Drew Locke right now, I don't really know if they're committed to him for a very long term. Now, the thing with Sam Darnold, they're going to have to sign his fifth-year option like right as he signs or something like that, if I remember correctly. Now, it's 19 mil, I think, is guaranteed to Sam Darnold if he were to sign his fifth-year option. So, time will tell on that, but we'll have to see. It's exciting times. The NFL offseason is here. We're getting close to the draft. Silly season is going to be ramping up to a million. And we are just over a month, under a month, I should say, from the NFL draft. April 29th is the first round of the NFL draft. And then the next day is the second and third round. Then four, five, six, seven rounds right after that the next day. So we are a month away from day two of the NFL draft. Isn't that just exciting? Beautiful stuff. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Oh, man, I'm so excited for this. And also, we are a day away from Major League Baseball season opening. But before we get into Major League Baseball opening, this has been popping up a few times on social media on the best mobile quarterback of all time. Now, there's obviously a few very mobile quarterbacks in this draft class, most notably Trey Lance and Justin Fields. But I saw this pop up, and I've wanted to talk about it for a while. It was comparing Michael Vick, Cam Newton, 
and Lamar Jackson. Who is the best rushing QB in NFL history? If we're going statistical, I mean, it's Lamar Jackson. He's the only quarterback to ever rush for 1,000 yards. So, is that it? <laughs> was, that, was that the debate? <laughs> I mean, he's literally the only one that's rushed for over 100 yards, 1,000 yards. Mike Vick came close. Cam's obviously done good things running the ball, but, I mean, it's Lamar, right? <laughs> it has to be Lamar. Now, there's going to be comparisons between Lamar and Vic. Those are fair, yet really lazy comparisons because Lamar's a lot better quarterback than Vic, at least in the early points of Vic's career. Vic had an absolute snot rocket for an arm, but it was wildly inaccurate. One thing even Michael Vic would say about himself. So, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about that, but I, it was kind of supposed to be that short. It was kind of just like a funny segment that we do because he's the only one that's ever rushed for over a thousand yards. I mean, it's the only, it's, it just makes sense. How can you have an argument for either one of them? He's the only one to rushed over a thousand yards one time and then he did it a second time the following year. Yeah, it's not, it's, I mean, I like the other two quarterbacks. I like Vic. I like Cam Newton, but they're not as mobile as they're not the better running rushing quarterbacks than Lamar Jackson. Sorry. Very sorry. I love Michael Vick. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. I shouldn't say I love Cam. I like Cam Newton. I, I don't love him, but I love Michael Vick. I loved watching Michael Vick play. But Lamar Jackson's a more mobile quarterback than Michael Vick. Then I saw this. This was like their career highs or something like that. For the 2020 season, which was not a fair season to do for Lamar Jackson, we're going to do 2002 season for Michael Vick. But yeah, similar amount of passing yards, and Lamar Jackson has 10 more touchdowns than Vick, and then rushing attempts and rushing yards. You have Vick, 777 yards, Lamar, 1,000 yards. Like, why, why are we comparing that season for Vick? Vick had a better season his last season in the NFL before he got arrested. He almost had 1,000 yards that season. He was like three yards or four yards away from the 1,000-yard season, the season before he wound up in jail. I got to go pull up his stats for that last season. It wasn't 2002. I don't know why they pulled that one out of their ass, but 2006, yeah, he threw for 2,400 yards. That was his career high in passing touchdowns with 20. Oh, no, he did get over 1,000 yards. Forget what I said. Lamar Jackson's the only quarterback to do it twice. <laughs> I thought he was just under. He ran for 902 yards in 04. Why did we choose a season that was nowhere, not as good as the last season in the NFL? He had 1,000 yards rushing. Now, he only had two rushing touchdowns, but he had 20 passing touchdowns, which is a career high. 1,000 yards rushing, career high as well. Yards per attempt, second, career high. Just below his season of 2001's rookie season, but he only had 31 attempts. And I guess... His, what season is that? 2013 season, but he played seven seven games and rushed 36 times. But yeah. And Lamar Jackson last season, what, he had 1,200 rushing yards, 37 touchdowns? Like, why don't we use that season? Why do we pull out these two random seasons together? Maybe there's something in the description that I didn't read, which is fair. I didn't read it. So, yeah, but I would compare their best seasons. Oh, 2006 for Vic, 2019-20 for Lamar Jackson. Why are we doing... The 2020 season and then the 2002 season. Those very weird seasons to compare to each other. But you know what? I still stand firm on my pick of Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson being the better mobile quarterback than Michael Vick. Now, again, we are a day away from when you're listening to this from spring tra- or spring training, 
from the regular season starting. Yes, April 1st. April Fool's Day. <laughs> well, we've got the Pirates at the Cubs, Blue Jays, Yankees, Indians, Tigers, Orioles, Red Sox, Twins, Brewers, Braves, Phillies, Diamondbacks, Padres, Dodgers, Rockies, Cardinals, Reds, Rays, Marlins, Rangers, Royals, Mets, Nets, White Sox, Angels, Astros, A's, and Giants, and Mariners. Yes, exciting stuff. I'm excited for baseball to be back. I mean, again, my expectations are not entirely the highest as they've been in years past, but they're not rock bottom. I have basically, that was basically code for, I have no expectations going into this season. I am expecting so little from the Cubs that if they win the decision, the division, that would be awesome. The Cubs pissed away their golden generation or whatever you want to call it, their golden ticket to win multiple World Series and hopefully create a dynasty. That's done. It's like most Chicago teams. The Bulls in the mid-2000s with Derrick Rose, they won 62 games. Next year, average. That was going down mostly to Derrick Rose being out. Chicago Bears in 85. Won the Super Bowl, went 15-1. Never got back to a Super Bowl again. Chicago Cubs got a World Series in 2016, and the best they could do is get swept by the Dodgers in the ALCS. NLCS. And the year before that, getting swept by the Mets. <laughs> the year before the World Series. And now the Cubs are at that, they're basically in purgatory of, we're not going to win anything, but we're not bad enough to actually lose anything. So if the Cubs don't win the division, because this is something I think's true, I think this is going to happen, unless a team from the Central, and I'm not just saying the Cubs, a team from the Central Division, so that's the Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates, unless they win the division, they're not making the playoffs. The only way a team from the NL Central makes the playoffs this year is winning the division because there is the back to being the worst division in baseball, as it was for a lot of years, where the Cardinals basically ran the entire thing without any real competition. Because you look at the other divisions, the NL East, Braves, Nats, Mets, Phillies, even the Marlins. Marlins made the playoffs last year. But Marlins probably won't make it. And the Mets and Braves are two of the top teams in the NL. And then you could argue the Nationals are up there as well, and the Phillies could be up there. And in the West, the Dodgers, the Padres. There is four teams, if not five or six teams, better than every team in the NL Central. I think the NL Central at the top is going to be very congested between the Brewers, Cardinals, and the Cubs. But I do have the Cardinals pipping it at the very end. But it'll be very close. And then... Whoever wins the division will lose in the, their first playoff game, so whoever, they'll play the Braves. So the Cardinals, Brewers, or Cubs, whoever they play in the playoffs, which will be the Braves, if they win the division, will lose in that series. Right, wrong, or otherwise, they ain't winning a lot of playoff games this year. Obviously, the highest expectations in the division are the St. Louis Cardinals, because obviously they got Nolan Arenado. But man, it's going to be a tight race, I do think. That is the Carl's division to lose, but that's not really... I I think that and don't think that at the same time because they're not miles better than the Cubs and the Brewers, but I just feel like they should win the division. They're not going to run away with it. Like, like the Dodgers the past, what, 100 seasons it feels like in the NL West, they would run away with it. I don't think that's what the Carl's are doing. I think it's their division to lose because I think they're, they're going to win the division, but... They're probably going to win five games more than the team coming in second, maybe four. So it's not going to be 
a mind-boggling number between the first-place team and the second-place team in this division. And I would be fine with any of these teams. Well, I'd be more happy if the Cubs won the division, but my prediction said Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs. That's more of the fact that I'm a pessimistic fan, and I love all the players the Cubs have. If you look at star power, based off years gone by, the Cubs have the most star power. Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Contreras. Those are stars in the Major League Baseball world. But they all sucked last year. Ian Happ was the best player on the Chicago Cubs last season. Him and you, Darvish. I guess you should say Darvish in there as well, even though he's not on the team anymore. Those are the two best players in the Cubs. Darvish is gone, and I just pray Happ doesn't revert back to the player that was striking out every at-bat and then getting sent down to the minors after smashing a home run the first pitch of the season as the leadoff guy and then getting sent back down to the minors. That's, again, much like pro days. You shouldn't take a lot away from spring training as well because Ian Happ was and Albert Armora were mashing dingers that spring training, competing for the leadoff spot. Neither one of them were the leadoff hitter that year. <laughs> I think Schwarber was the leadoff hitter most of that season. Neither one of those two were the leadoff guys. Now Ian Happ has found his confidence again and looks to have that spot nailed down and is looking like he's one of the better players on the Chicago Cubs right now. But unless Baez, Bryant, Contreras can revert back to their old self, I don't think the Cubs are... Name-wise, oh, names. Cubs got an all-name team on their team. They're, t- they're like all-name MLB. All, MLB first team, all team. All name. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but man, these are not, they are not, Baez, ever since coming second in the MVP a few years ago, has kind of tailed off a little bit. Brian's been nowhere near his old self since he won the MVP in 2016, but that's due to the fact of shoulder injury and the constant trade rumors with him would leave a player uneasy. Contreras has struggled, not only at bat, but fielding as well. He's obviously got a cannon for an arm, but he struggled at times fielding. Cubs don't have a second baseman. Hopefully, Bodie can do well enough to ease the Cubs' problems there. I love Jock Peterson. I like that as a like-for-like replacement for Schwarber. I hope Hayward stays good. But, man, this might just be being, might me, just might be me being over-pessimistic, but I ain't third is what the Cubs have. And if they do come in third, they're probably got to blow the thing up because there's nothing worse in sports. And I know this might not make a lot of sense to the average audience out there. There's nothing worse in sports than being bang average. I would rather be bad than bang average because bad means you're trying to get somewhere. We're going to eventually get somewhere. Being average, you're not good enough to win anything. You're not good enough to get a good draft pick. It's not very fun. Like Bears fans. Do you think they wanted to make the playoffs after going 8-8? Eight and eight? No. They didn't care about making the playoffs. They wanted to get a good draft pick to get a quarterback. But now they pick 20th. Look at the NFC East. The Washington football team won the division at 7-9. They picked 19th. The New York Giants finished 2nd in that division and picked 11th. Now I'm going to talk about this from the fact of where they actually finished, not where they're drafting now. Because obviously the Eagles picked 12th, but they traded back. Like, yeah, good, you made the playoffs. But what would you really accomplish here? Nothing. Cubs got swept by the freaking Marlins last year. I, I would rather not be good and then get draft picks 
and then hopefully build up to something again than just be average forever. The Bills did that for years. They're just an average team. Now, they weren't making the playoffs, but they were just on the cusp of the playoffs to where they weren't getting good draft picks either. That was awful. Now, you could end up... Now, tanks can go very wrong. You look at the Marlins, the Baltimore Orioles, the Detroit Tigers. Those teams have been tanking for like 30 years. The Tigers were once in the World Series, and then now they're just stuck as the worst team in baseball. Now, they got some fun prospects, but the Rays... That's how you build a franchise through the minor leagues. Now, the Cubs were good at that for about a year, two years. So you look at the pipeline they had. Rizzo was coming through. They traded for him from San Diego. Had him coming up. Stalin Castro was a prospect. Darwin Barney was a prospect. Wilson Contreras was a prospect. Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ, Albert Almora, Kyle Hendricks. They traded from him from Texas, but he came up through the Cubs system. That was awesome. But now, Cubs have one of the, if not the worst farm system in the major leagues right now. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Now, they could surprise me this year and actually win some things and finish with 90 wins and make the playoffs and win a playoff series before eventually getting swept by the Dodgers in the NLCS. But, hey... At least you showed me you were competing a little bit. But man, Jed Hoyer, I feel kind of bad for him. He was Theo Epstein's right-hand man all these years in Chicago. And Epstein dipped <laughs> right at the wrong time. Because <laughs> he, well actually the right time for Epstein. Well, just average. You're going to have the decision of blowing it up or not. So don't be surprised if the Cubs finish third or maybe even second in the division. They just blow this thing up because purgatory is a terrible, terrible place to be. And that's might that might be where the Cubs are going to be. And that's not very fun. Not very fun at all. Now, for the rest of my predictions, so again, just recapping what we talked about. When was this last week, last Friday show? For the division winners, we got the Braves, Cardinals, and the Dodgers, the NL with the uh the Mets and the Padres coming in second in those division races for the NL East and the NL West. For the AL, we have the Yankees winning the AL East, White Sox in the Central, and the Astros in the West. With the Rays and the A's coming in second in those divisions. But there might be a scenario where the Rays and the Blue Jays finish second and third and both make the playoffs. I think that's a very real possibility this offseason. But time will tell. Time will tell. It's very early in the season, and we are not even to opening day yet, but I am very excited. I don't know exactly when opening day rosters get revealed. I'm assuming today, but I'm not 100% sure. So look out for your team's opening day roster. Uh, prediction, I'm very comfortable in almost saying locks in. I'm almost, again, I'm almost lock, I lock in that the Yankees will win the East, the White Sox in the Central, lock in the Dodgers in the West, I'll lock in that the Braves, Mets, and Padres all make the playoffs. I'll lock in that the Minnesota Twins will make the playoffs. I will lock in the Rockies will finish last in the West. I'll lock in the Marlins finish last in the East. I'll lock in the Tigers finishing last in the Central and the Orioles finishing last in the East. Everything else is fair game, but I'm fairly confident in all of those things happening. There's some things... That change in baseball, but the, you know how the saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And that's how we're looking at in the 2020 baseball, 2021 
baseball season. I'm excited, though. Very, very excited for the upcoming baseball season. Baseball's always a fun time to watch. Fun sport to watch. If you know what's going on, you know the players, you know the teams, it's fun. Now, for the average fan, probably not that enjoyable. I can understand completely why it would not be that enjoyable to watch the major leagues just as an average fan. Baseball is not necessarily the most exciting sport in the world. But one thing that is exciting, see how I, I, woo, that's a good transition right there, Logan. March Madness is exciting. March Madness is always exciting. And right now, we are going to find out who the other Final Four teams are. We have got Arkansas, or Arkansas, Baylor and Houston in the Final Four. Baylor beat up on Arkansas, 81-72. to And Houston beat a 12-seed Oregon State, 67-61. Oregon State was trying to be the first 12-seed to make the Final Four since Missouri in 2002. So that would have been very impressive for the Oregon State Beavers. And right now, I think we can almost lock in Gonzaga being one of the other Final Four teams there up 83-64 to on USC. Good Lord. If Gonzaga does not win the national title this year, I'll be absolutely shocked. They are steamrolling everybody. You look at all the games they had. So this game's not technically over yet, but it's 83-64 to now. They beat Crate 83-65. They beat Oklahoma 87-71. They beat Norfolk State 98-55. They've beaten pretty all these teams by almost 20 points. That is ridiculous. Now it is final. 83-64 is the final. And then now we are about ready to start up Michigan against UCLA. So after all the madness that has gone on, we might very well end up with a <laughs> three one seeds and a two seed in the Final Four. But there was a lot of madness that went on other than that, but we'll end up with a pretty predictable Final Four of Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston. Now... If UCLA wins, that'd be very cool to see. I'd love to see UCLA win against Michigan. But, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Michigan killed Florida State last time these two teams, the last game they played. So, Michigan, get yourselves to the Final Four. Get yourselves to the Final Four. But, man, after all of that, we're just going to end up with almost every one seed making the Final Four. Three one seeds and a two seed make the Final Four. But we had a 15 seed make it to the Sweet 16. We had, and not only that, we had every single seed cop a dub in this tournament. In the Elite Eights, we had a 12 seed and an 11 seed and a 6 seed in the Elite Eights. So it was, we had a, a 8 seed in the Sweet 16 with an 11 seed there as well in Syracuse. Then we had the 11 seed in UCLA there as well. We had Oregon, a 7 seed there as well in the Sweet 16. So there was a lot of madness in March Madness, but we're ending up pretty anticlimactic with a bunch of high seeds making the finals. Gonzaga 30-0 on the season. Trying to get to 31-0. Trying to finish the season with an undefeated national championship, which is what everybody expects. I, I, I expect, we all, most of us expected Gonzaga to roll in the tournament anyways, but... Now we get to see if they actually do it. So with that being said, that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Mock Draft 5.0 will be out on Monday, so make sure you stay tuned for that. I have been your host with the most, Logan Blackman. This is the Logan Blackman Show, and I will see you all on Friday. Peace.